0: Very good story is multi-dimensional. Yeah. Can be understood by different ways, by different right, age groups or different levels of maturity, depending if you're reading when you're 10, read it when you're 40, read it when you're 70. Same story, same words. But now what you bring to the story allows you to get more and more out of it.
1: Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bufana's Table a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality where each week listeners are invited to feast on real life stories of hope and healing as well as soul nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends and become a part of a legendary story.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Labafana's Table. I'm your host, Dina Gregory, and today I have a really special friend to introduce you to. His name is Dr.
1: John Sachmo Manan, a.k.a. Dr. Mujib Manan. He is a retired professor of the American experience, law, literature, and history at the College of New Rochelle, University of the Virgin Islands, and other university venues for nearly 30 years. Dr. Manan, as a person, is interested in the entire 360
2: degrees of life. He is an educator, attorney, historian, poet, short storyteller, essayist, jazz musician, marketing consultant, and the executive
1: director of an affordable housing initiative in Harlem. We met several years back through our shared interest and love for jazz, and I'm so excited
2: to have him today at La Bafana's table. We poets and pens are mere citizens of a quiet, mystic place. I feel like we're at that quiet mystic place, and we're at that quiet mystic place with one of my favorite human beings that I have had the pleasure of meeting while I've been living in Harlem. And today I'm really excited to introduce all of you guys to Sachmo. So, Sachmo, welcome to love of Table. This has been a long time coming. Yeah. So, introduce yourself to everyone. Well,
0: uh, my name is Dr. John Satchmo Manan, and I'm honored to be in the presence of this beautiful poet. Christina, who I admire for her work and her heart, which is really kind and open and sharing. So I'm glad to be part of this program today, and my first time. And hope that we'll have you back again one day.
2: So tell me, I mean, you are a man of many talents—from poetry to jazz to history to literature to law to how do you how do you keep that all together? <laughs>
0: Well, in the universe of love, a love of wisdom, love of understanding the world that I'm in and what I have to do, what I'm expected to do, what the creator made me to do. So in my search, I I fell in love with many things, history, people, law, religion, philosophy, music, poetry, martial arts. It's a 360 interest that I have. Couldn't choose at one point which one I love the most, Mm. but eventually I was able to order them. I make some logic out of them, and they all live in the same roof in the same house of my thinking.
2: Mm. I guess we'll just start. What is currently like on fire for you?
0: Well, I'm actually two places at once. I feel like a parallel universe. I'm trying to be free in the art of music and poetry being placed together. In my words, I place music. And when I also perform, I make up words to different songs. There there are words that are written, but I like to make up words that I feel during the time that I'm singing. Mm -hmm. That are more current and more malleable and can be presented to a modern day audience. A lot of songs I sing are the 1930s, 40s, 50s. The lyrics, you know, sort of like dated in language. And I'm also trying to put together the history of Islam in Harlem. Been a Muslim now since 1970, May 17, 1970. And the history of our group is unwritten, so I'm doing that. And I'm also still have a burning desire to dialogue with people of different religions. I fell in love with mythology, the mythology of people in India, Africa, the Norse mythology, the Greek mythology, Roman mythology, the Aztec mythology. Yeah. And I was fascinated by the commonalities of the misogyny of these mythologies. Yeah. And I wanted to understand more where that came from. And more than that, understanding the meaning behind the symbols in these mythologies, the also the symbols in nursery rhymes, which are a form of mythology we really have uncovered some valuable things, just studying nursing rhymes. Just,
2: just studying nursery rhymes.
0: Oh, yeah. I, they're, they're profound. It seems like they're for children, but dig down deeper beneath, blah, blah, black sheep having any wool. Well, there's a history of people there. Mm. Like the old women lived in the shoe. Once I found that out, that led me to other things. What the? Who was the old woman living in the shoe? Who was that lady? Why did she live in the shoe? What what did the shoe mean? And old women don't have children, so what What are all these children run around and give them?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what would you say like turned you into, were you born a lifelong learner, a born a lifelong seeker? Can you mark a place in your life that the light went on of like, oh, God, I, I thirst to know what this world is?
0: I had the pressure on me when I was in element, a, a very heavy pressure. I integrated a school called the Elaine Blake School, PS6 on 82nd in Madison. I was the first black child that went to that school. I was a brunt of all types, of racism, men. Getting beat up and all this. And I try to make sense of what was happening to me. And my Western Indian father from Jamaica saying that it's as good as anybody, if not better. And my mother saying the next time you run from them, I'm going to beat you. Mm. <laughs> and I had to try to figure all this out. Yeah. And I, I went to I, I looked into religion and was there for a long time. And then I started changing religions because I couldn't get the answers that I wanted about who I was. So I was searching for knowledge of self and knowledge of my destiny. Mm. So one day, I fell in love with a guy named Solomon. I read his story. I wanted to be like him. I asked God to be like Solomon. To know, understand all things. And my mother had a world book encyclopedia donated to her for me, 36 volumes of world book encyclopedia. By the time I was 11 or 12, I said, Mom, I, w- I read the whole world book now. Now I know all the knowledge in the world. She said, not quite, son.
2: Just a little bit more. Just <laughs> a little bit more.
0: What else is there? What else is there? So when I got to study poetry, I began to understand parallel universe. The universe is mental. Okay. We are mental beings. Our being is mental. We live in a physical body that allowed to express our mentality and the thoughts that enter our mind that we, or maintain or express, (laughs) take out. Yeah. These are Mm. are people who are applying for a resident. Interesting. So once you get a resident where you believe you're superior to someone because of your skin color, Mm. That's an idea. I send it to the throne in your mind, and now you're a race for the mm. that idea. You can't feed that idea. Information from the environment. Right. You sustain it, and the guy that gets bigger and bigger, and become a bigger and bigger race. But you spelling the word hire, H-I-R-E, mm. and not hire. Higher education in our school system is basically the idea that you're training people to work in a job, right? On someone else's dream. Mm. Someone else's plantation. Whether the plantation is has computers or it has a assembly line, it's still a plantation. You're still working on someone else's dream. Mm. But you don't get the higher education where you can you see a scheme of how things work once you sit on top.
2: So in unlearning or in getting a re-education, what is the role of poetry and what is the role of, of stories and legends? Because, you know, I'm very, I was first taken by, of course, jazz and music. But then when I was seeing that you were playing with these ideas of, of legends and the land of Nod, and I'm being drawn down a similar path with my fascination with the legend of La Bifana and the way that is has unfolded in a very new way for me. So I would love to kind of know for you, what's your sense of what is the role of poetry and what is the role of stories and legends and our imagination in kind of re-education or unlearning that needs to happen?
0: Well, I'll give you an analogy. If you wanted to educate a mannequin about their position in the world, and you assume the mannequin once been a, a live figure, but now they're in the store window. You get the mannequin to see their place in the world, and you have to bring them out of the store window
2: mm. so they
0: can see themselves. Yes. How they're in place in the context of the skyscrapers and the possibilities in the environment. Yes. So what poetry does is takes the person out of the routine, well-traveled roads of ideas that have been architect or laid out for them to travel. Yeah. And bring them to a position where they can see, can sit on Mars or the moon and look back at the earth and say, Oh, that's where I live. Mm. When they come back to earth again, they have a greater perspective of what this this whole planet is about. They see bigger possibilities. Mm. They see, they see the whole universe as their, the apartment in which they live instead of one small corner of, of an idea. So we take people out of orbit that they've been placed in. Right. And we allow them to see and sink on the level of the parallel universe, which is the mental the mental,
2: mental, plane or the consciousness. or, or consciousness.
0: So when they say this, wow, wow, blah, blah, black She have any wool. Every sheep have wool. Why are you asking the black sheep why do they have wool for? You know, there's something <laughs> racist about that, right? Uh-huh. So you didn't ask me, you know, I was like, so do you have a brain? Wool that's representative of knowledge. You say this, this sheep, you don't have knowledge like the rest of the sheep, all the sheep in the world. Sheep says, yeah, I got knowledge. Mm-hmm. One for my master, one for my day one for the little boy that lives down the lane. So what kind of knowledge do you have? You have the knowledge that's for the upper classes and the brain. Mm. Knowledge that's that's the emotional nature for the the lower class. And then the very lowest class represents the, the sexual organs. That's down that's the boy who lives down the lane. So now there's three different worlds, you know. The knowledge for those can be in right quote unquote. Oh wow for those who are moved by the wind of emotion. Knowledge for those who are stuck in physicality.
2: Ooh. That, that's, that's Baba Blanche. We just went. <laughs> I did not know that I would go that deep on a, a nursery rhyme, and now I'm I think we gotta go back and have a whole day of As a
0: whole day nursery rhyme.
2: We're gonna have to ha- have you guys all over and we are gonna go deep into a day of nursery rhymes. I want to
0: share one more with you. Yeah. Man. Please. I've been going through all of them. Once there once was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. Sounds like a more nice poem, right? A
2: yeah.
0: First thing you think, oh, we don't live in the shoes. What do people think about shoes? You walk in them, and you walk on them, you step in them, and this woman woman's in the shoes. Okay, she represents the poor people in the society, lower class. What steps on them? Shoes are the last thing you take of when you get dressed, right? And you, you put you go and put them on, you go out the door. So she has so many problems of being poor. And you look at, like it quits its own set of problems. Mm. She had so many problems. She, so, what's the opposite of a show? An old woman lived in a hat. Mm-hmm. She was in the upper class, yeah, of society, and probably people in the upper class didn't have that many children. You know, she the old, so the opposite rhyme would be: Once was an old woman lived in a hat. She had very few children, and she liked it. <laughs> so, there you go. You can explain it. Now you're written a counterpiece that allows like puts it in greater perspective. So, I'm saying there's a lot in our environment that's just hidden. Mm. From us, in nursery rhymes, fairy tales, golden yeah. locks. But if you, so, now I enter the battle as a warrior, as a poet. A poet is a warrior. Mm. I bring an alternative vision, right? And allow, and I ask ask you to do something that might be difficult because you don't. We're not asked to do that in school. In school, we're asked to memorize and get yeah. like the answer. Ask you to think.
2: Mm.
0: And once you get used to thinking,
2: it's pretty amazing. <laughs> You'll get hungry for two days. Yeah, you're like, wait, I'd like to think about this a little bit more. Yeah. Tell me about the land of Nod, because that's right here in Harlem, no?
0: that a lot is here in Harlem, and it's wherever you are.
2: Right, so it's so up. it's, land of Nod is here and it's hidden. But it's so, hidden. so tell it's me, so how, take us to the land of Nod that is actually Harlem that we don't know.
0: Okay, yes, as we it's a place where people lived under a concept of trying to survive, trying to have a peaceful life, trying to find happiness. Mm. Harlem is a community where people are searching for right? mm. But they keep finding the blues.
2: Mm.
0: As Miles Davis said to a young man who asked him where to find the blues, he said, stand here on the corner of 132nd and Lennox Avenue. Mm. Stand there and the blues will find you.
2: Oof. Mm-hmm.
0: So we... We live in an environment in in Harlem that's really in the land of na because we we can't see that how we can be people who are moved by self determination mm. rather than expectation of help from outside. Either that we, that that we are may be dependent on on something from the government or something from society, mm-hmm. otherwise we won't get by. It's a form of mental slavery. Mm. So we're still in a, we live in a urban mental plantation, mm. where we labor under misconceptions about our identity not about our dignity. Mm. And it's because we labor under those misconceptions, we become slaves to these concepts. And the only people that benefit from those concepts are the people who own the plantation, mm. the real estate, right. business. So, this is part of the land of Nod. And say, the land of Nod is, has many, many places. It has Mountains of love, mountains of reasons. It's got seven cities of the mind. He went to the seven cities of the mind. He you, needs understand the, the dimensions of the human human problem in terms of conception of reality. Hmm. I guess I'll put it this way: the land of Nod is a place where we go to understand outside of ourselves. Where we go to we go to understand the place that we live. Right. And so I, I almost have to bring you on a tour of the land of Nod so you can see what Harlem looks like, and what Harlem feels like. It's a place of struggle. It is, slavery may have ended in 1865 as a physical economic force. The mental, it still exists in many ways the same it did 200 years ago, laboring under these false concepts of who we are. Always there was accommodation, protest, and escape as the means of, of reactions of Africans to slavery. Accommodation meaning survival, protest meaning revolt or demonstrations or protesting and escape meaning trying to find an alternative or escaping into vice such as drugs or alcohol, mm. escaping, trying to escape the oppression. The, uh, the challenge is to become a people who are bonded in a, in a positive thinking about who we can be. Mm. We don't have to remake ourselves. The first we have to reimagine ourselves before we can remake us.
2: Wait we, that that needs to be repeated.
0: We can't remake ourselves before we we imagine, imagine ourselves. ourselves. So there we we're dealing with the world of imagination. And if you deal with the world of imagination, you're in nerd. Hmm. That's the capital. Of yeah. Imagination. Often, imagination has been put into a coffin in our schools.
2: Absolutely.
0: Put into a coffin in our devices. We turn to our devices and to our screens to nourish our imaginations, which every day, because of lack of exercise, become weaker.
2: I've noticed that, and I kind of accidentally reclaimed my imagination on my own journey, uh, and I didn't even realize that I didn't have access to it. I accidentally kind of moved into that, that higher plane when teaching teaching, ESL through a methodology that's called teaching proficiency through reading and storytelling. And it was a complete kind of, it was a deep awakening in the middle of like teaching these kids because the method involved choosing a few words, repeating them through body action, because it's a second language, and then asking a story around these. So we start off with four words. We learn those words and then we start asking, you know, the basic questions of a story. Okay, well, who's there? It's the the unicorn. Well, what does the unicorn want? And from a place of deep simplicity, this is second language. Oh. Right? The unicorn wants the wine, or the unicorn wants a bagel? No, the unicorn wants the wine.
0: But by the wine.
2: I don't yeah. The bagel? And we pick one and then And then, of course, there's a problem, and then you have to resolve the problem. And after doing this very basic story structure so many times, and then seeing the magic that would arise from asking ourselves a story, something opened in me that I really never expected that really kind of drew me into this world of storytelling a little bit more and into this land of legends and into this looking at my own life and as a legend and
0: a living legend.
2: as a living legend. And, you know, so much is I, where I think we're so stuck is like, how do we open that doorway to imagination to see a new way forward? So when, when I've read your land of nod and, and really imagining, how do we step into that place right here? Like Sachmo and I, Sachmo's a good friend. I was like, Sachmo, let's, I had a puppet I was when I was running around with the La Bafana puppet. I was like, Satchmo, let's do an event in the park. <laughs> right on. Oh, we did. Man. Yeah. We pulled it off. We pulled it off. We did a part with the park right here on 140th and and Lennox.
0: Exactly.
2: And we wanted to just tell some stories. And I, I, I was very nervous. I was like, what are we doing? But Satchmo showed up and it was more adults than kids.
0: <laughs> adults want stories though, right?
2: And isn't that, that's what I'm realizing more. You know, the more that I'm going, wait a second, yeah, the kids need the stories and the imagination, but it's the adults who need story time.
0: Every it, story, every good story is multi-dimensional. Yeah. Can be understood by different ways, by different age groups or different levels of maturity, depending if you're reading when you're 10, read it when you're 40, read it when you're 70, same story, same words, but now what you bring to the story allows you to get more and more out of it, collective yeah. life experience. So that makes stories so attractive and what makes even parables even great. You know, I remember my first year at Columbia University, we had to read Plato's Cave. Yeah. And I became a professor. I gave my students Plato's Cave. But I had the experience of letting young people read Plato's Cave. When I say young people, people like me, 12, 13, 14. And they could get something out of it, but of course not with some someone who was 30 or 40. mm Reading playlists, okay, but see the uh, the dimensions, the psychographic dimensions of the story, and how, what it said about the world in which you live. And uh, a lot of the wisdom of the ancient people was left in the form of stories. Yeah, including the parables of Jesus Christ. Yeah, kingdom of heaven is like this, Pearl of great Christ. Well, you know, it's a very enjoyable to discuss these kind of things. It's rare that people even discuss poetry nowadays. It's weird. we bond our imagination. Some mystical shop, it's hard to get it back. It's a very hard price to get it back. We're inundated with the artificial intelligence. Yeah. The artificial intelligence.
2: I guess you can see the power of it. I just read today on the news that Amanda Gorman's poem was banned from a parent had complained in a school, and now her poem is, her book is not allowed to be to be read there, which makes you go like, Wow, isn't that like the new goal of life, is to live life and write books that get banned in Florida?
0: Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, well, Florida is going to be banning a lot of books in the future. Yeah. In fact, they'll probably progress to burning them up. Oh,
2: uh, I really hope not. It's a little scary that we've seen enough to understand how these things roll out.
0: And I want to even blame it on history, because you mm. say history repeat, repeats itself. History is innocent of that charge. It's the people that repeat history.
2: Mm. <laughs>
0: you just the same, you make the same old mistakes, just with different different characters, a different character, a different technology. You make the same mistake. You have a horse. Same mistake. You have a car. The, <laughs> just
2: what do you think God is? Th- look like God. What does God think? God's just like, oh my lord, what are these people doing?
0: <laughs> well, I don't think there's anything. I'd what happens when you get someone living limited free will. You give people a choice, they they will make bad choices and good choices. Yeah. But the thing that kills us a lot most probably is not just bad and good choices, is that we're making bad choices as groups and as communities and and neighborhoods. We're making bad choices. The first choice we made that was really wrong was this thing called rugged individualism. Yes. Now, everybody wants to do their own thing. You want to enjoy yourself. Well, that's good. What happened to the idea of group consciousness of what has to be done to make life better for all of us?
2: Mm-hmm. And the I mean, next it, generations the next that are generation. coming.
0: What happens if you live in your, your apartment and, you, and all you care about every morning is going back to your apartment and watching TV and doing something. The meantime, the block is deteriorating. There's people selling drugs and doing different things, but there's no meetings. There's no block association. There's no, there's no group that's willing to make the neighborhood better. Mm -hmm. As a group, we can do things. Yeah. There's an old African saying said that banding together, the ants beat the elephant.
2: Mm.
0: Ants can beat elephants. I'm not talking about the Republican party, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Ants can beat elephants.
2: A different different symbol.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ants can beat anything if they're united. Yeah. But if they consider themselves to be rugged individuals, well, you know, they've lost all power. So we, we become a very divided society, divided into groups the camps and divided from each other yeah and that's a crime against humanity it is our humanity
2: it is and i think we i really do think that artists and creatives have a really this is a potent time Mm. i that feels like the right word it's a potent time to to awaken imagination to tell different stories you know like Yes. If we play this, we're at Labafana's table. You know, yes. we're not just at my kitchen table in Harlem. This this now table is an ancient table mm. that has gone <laughs> from this old woman who is on a perpetual search for for Jesus that is extending through time, and you and I <laughs> happen to be sitting at it. And who well, else could, can be sitting at it? And how much anality. more spaciousness? Can we create around that? And while it seems small, I think wherever we can poke holes in in the imagination, that we can, wow. Like, how am I sitting at this ancient table with you? <laughs> how do we get here? <laughs>
0: well, you know.
2: You know, well, and if we well, really well, well, think, because we we're not just at this table. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm at this table with my ancestors. You're at this table with your ancestors. Yes. We are in a moment of time, in a long story.
0: And we all have a common ancestor.
2: Right. Yeah. I think we really long for that. And I think we're so scared to just admit it. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, you know what we really want to be doing? We want to be like sitting around a table, eating pasta, drinking wine, and telling love stories and reading poems. <laughs> I mean, like, isn't that what everyone wants to be doing? <laughs> well,
0: and I'll tell you what where I found. And we share it. Yeah, This is the kind of thing that needs to be happening among people.
2: because this is encounter right yes. like to me that's how you've taught in the classroom i teach in the classroom and i go okay i need something i need something larger right this yes. and i think there's in terms of learning i think conversation is one of the greatest ways of learning yeah it it's not right or wrong where it's comfortable Yes, you know like how can we bring more people here because You know, I've lived in different places and I've had lots of different judgments at different times. I'm a little bit more open minded now. And I've realized how, you know, just because you're from the city doesn't mean you're an open minded person. When I moved upstate to rural upstate New York, I realized like what a closed minded judgmental person (laughs) that I was. And I don't know, we've got a lot of problems, but I, I feel like so much stems from the lack of encounters. You know, like when you just don't have the space to get to know someone who's different from you. Who grew up in a different context? Who grew up in a different mythology or religion, or has a whole different set of stories than you have? Like, well, if all your neighbors look like you, then how are you ever going to get to know the neighbors that are different from you? Because our neighbor mostly are homogenous.
0: In you know, most countries, that's what. We're lucky to live in New York. We see so many different cultures.
2: Yeah, but we still have our board. You know. You so know, the we <laughs> still, it was, I mean, it's changing a little bit, but I remember when I first moved to Harlem, Back, my first version of living in Harlem when I was married, my dad came to visit and I I told him, okay, dad, I'm going to play a magic trick. We were on the subway and I was like, okay, dad, when the doors open, all the white people are going to go. And, and then the doors opened and he, all the white people went and it was like, what a yeah. second! <laughs> what? How did you do that? <laughs> I was like, and now all the white people will leave the train. And, okay. you know, we have a good laugh. And that's a little different. And But, you know, there is, you know, I would say a place of encounter is the subway in New York. But unfortunately, we're all too frightened of each other right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's nearly not a table.
2: It's not a table.
0: But what we're doing now is a table, just meeting and talking about perspectives. we think about it, that story about the elephant and the blind men. remember that story? Oh, yes. Yes, the elephant. The king was making a bet with someone and about the elephant. And the guy said, well, blind people can see the elephant. He said, okay, get the blind people. I want them to describe it. Blind people on each side of the elephant, somewhere in the back. One was in the back, one was in the front, two on the side. And he asked each one of them to describe the elephant. Mm. The guy in the front says, he's got some type of long device that's sticking out. Back says, kind of back says, I felt something like a pipe in the face. <laughs> the other one says, the office, look, it's, he's, he's flat like a wall. He's on the right side, the left side. Right. Yeah. But actually, that power was telling us that the different perspectives of people are important. We can't get a collective picture of what's happening yeah. there unless we have different angles. Right. Different experiences, different folks. And different stories. Different stories. The mountain story, jungle story, the seaside story, the plain story, you know, the, the Sagrana story. All these stories are human stories. So when people come together and they talk about what they found in the world, then they can see, they can, we can understand the human experience.
2: And the commonalities of them. Commonalities. Now, but you, would you describe yourself as a religious person? You said you're, you said you were Muslim. Do you feel like, yes, uh, do you religious. identify? I am a, like I'm,
0: a. I'm a religious person. And because I'm, I'm Muslim, I, I'm, you know, see, truth in every religion around me Yeah, truth is the true religion. Mm. So if if you're, you're talking something that's true, then I believe in what you say. Yeah, That's part of my religion. If another person is saying something true, I believe that's true and that's part of my religion. Truth doesn't have a label, and that's what's important. Now perspectives, you know, everybody has different perspectives. You have some of the true religion that in the sense that God is involved in the world, to such an extent that he lives in every ouch. Therefore, the cow might become sacred. Yeah. And they have another perspective of God. Well, he's, he created everything, but he doesn't live in it. He's separated. Then you have a Western concept. Hmm. Well, I can have a conversation with someone who's Sikh or yeah. Hindu, and I can find common ground. Yeah. That's what's important. Yeah. One thing is about all of us is that the lip was made for the ear, the ear was made for the lip. other words, there's no reason for us to have ears unless we can understand words. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to have lips unless we can speak them. Mm-hmm. So we all have benefits by listening to each other. And speak.
2: To me, I think the most delicious thing is a table full of perspectives. <laughs> oh. You know what I mean? Oh, like, you to write that one down. That's, that's, what that's what a I want good a, one. I want to feast. Yeah. You know, I like, yes, I want pasta at this Ancient, modern table, but I just want to be able to feast on the multitude of perspectives to the point that I'm like, "Well, fuck it, let's just dance." <laughs> you know what I mean? Where that's you cannot—that's wonderful.
0: No, that's wonderful. I, I, I had to write that one down. I do it. Yeah, yeah let's think, go. That's a good one. Are you told people in the world to bring, come to a potluck and bring, you bread? Yeah. And, <laughs> bring your bread. Yeah, I mean, bring bread. It's all bread. Yeah, it's, it shows you the different. Yeah, perspectives and bread is a form of culture it's a symbol of a person's culture.
2: right i still just go like i've really how did we not get this right yet you know what i mean like and i go how do i and i look to you and i i look to others who have obviously been seeing how this this human journey goes and i go okay so it could be really great and yet i have to be able to cope with that it's not there yet <laughs>
0: It's a long. I'm so happy. You know
2: what I mean. I go okay. I'm part of this wildly evolutionary story that I'm going to believe is going somewhere good. You know, it's going. It's great. It's a good story. I know there's some tragedy and totally screwed up things, but like we are leading to some enduring good.
0: Well, yes, yeah. Everything that's good wins in the end. Mm. But what is good? Sometimes it's not something that you reach. It's something that practice. Mm-hmm. You know, then he continued. Because there always, there's always going to be opposition. And there's always going those two will always exist as long as you.
2: And th- that's just like why, that's what we have to do. It just needs to be that way. Cause this is what the whole man, human journey is about.
0: Anytime you give a free, freedom of will. <laughs> yeah. A free, a limited free will to choose to do. Better. Yeah. You don't have an instinct like an elephant. It can't be any other one. Right? And can be anything as well, and because they're programmed, we're programmed to make our own decisions. Yeah, will always be people that will think doing something evil or trying to trying to cheat somebody. But what we want to have is a social order in which the people who live in the community have a sense, a common sense of what is good. Yeah, a common sense of what is bad. Everybody will agree that the kill an innocent child bad is bad. <laughs> At least some people disagree with that, actually. But, you Mm. know, most people. Yeah. Or if an old man falls in the middle of the street, someone will rush to pick him up. And people say that he did a good deed. Because we are naturally conceived in good. We're not conceived in sin.
2: Mm. Well, that's, that's, I think, a lot of people are still... I know that I ran away from my religion for a while just because of that, the sinfulness. And I actually went toward... I was really taken by Buddhism and Shambhala. Shambhala. Shugnam Trimpa Rinpoche and his vision of enlightened society. And I was like, damn, enlightened society, I wanna sign me up for that. I'm totally into it. I and I was really taken by that vision for a while. And I and I and I went on a couple of retreats and I did all the things and and yet there was something like, wait a second, now I got there's five levels, I gotta do this. And I actually had a really funny experience <laughs> i went to like a two-week silent meditation retreat
0: mm, back in
2: supposedly for an italian american i'm like wait I, can't <laughs> I was like wait, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <even. laughs> <laughs> actually this is not supposed to happen this is back in 2014 my life is falling apart i'm about to like really go on like kind of really the inciting incident of my own you know hero's journey adventure and I end up at this, si- this me- silent meditation retreat of which I'm struggling being silent, sitting with my mind, what? <laughs> and it was good, but I had, I stayed a week and then I was like, I think I didn't want to stay another. And I was having this like, oh my God, wait, do I have to give up any of my ideas of heaven? Like if I'm going to go this way, am I going to go be Buddhist? And I call the Amtrak guy. This is the funniest I call the Amtrak guy to change my ticket and we start talking. And he's like, Why are you sitting on a meditation cushion when all you need is the Holy Spirit? And I was like, What? Like, and first of all, how is this conversation even happening Happen with a freaking Amtrak guy? Yeah. But it was. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately my journey has led me back to the a framework that makes cultural sense to from From the way that God created me, you know, like I'm Italian American, third generation, you know, that story, the Catholic, you know, I came full circle and I had to come back to it and I, and it, it reoriented me and rooted me in a, in a different way. You know what I mean? And it's like, I think there's something important about whatever the root religion that you came from is. Like, you can't let, I tried to throw it off. I was like, forget this stuff. I don't like your sin stuff. Give me that enlightened stuff. <laughs> just to realize, like, the same thing you did. Just as the same, you know, like, wait a second. But now these are just like a bunch of men sitting in fancy robes. You look kind of like the priests that were sitting in the fancy, like, I just want to be in a circle of people who are like, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> we don't know what's happening. And, but, you know, got gotcha. you. You know, so, I but. There, I was there for a minute too. Yeah. You did Buddhism for a little. It was part of your, I think, I think when you. I love,
0: I love that. Yeah. There's no
2: mm-hmm.
0: sense how you get rid of injustice. I could reach Nirvana. I could get there. Right. Be very happy. But as an individual, I could reach it. But how about the people who are being thrown in jail unjustly, the people who are being right. lynched, the people who are being shot by police officers? How about people living in poverty, not just physically, but you know, spiritually also? What are we going to do for them?
2: Right. And so for you Buddhism didn't didn't fulfill No, it
0: didn't have a social mission. It mm. had an individual mission. So I wanted something that had an individual capacity to reach nirvana. And yet But then yeah. you gotta
2: turn back to around.
0: Okay. The okay. They try to change the world collectively, you know?
2: Well, I mean, to me, that's right, that's the hero's journey, you know? Yeah. So you, you know, and I, I've had those experiences. I'm not going to say, like, oh, I'm enlightened. I ha- I know who I am, right. and I know what I know, and I know what I don't know. And I've had my experiences that give me a sense of divinity from an inner mm-hmm. experience, not from because the Bible told me so. I, I, I knew God. I know God not because the Bible told me so, because mm-hmm. I walked it. I lived it. God dropped me on my knees. That's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> That's true it's not because, you know, you know. If, uh, that kind of way.
0: Yeah, you experience experienced some, something on the road to Damascus.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but then you go, but, you know, and I think that's where you're like, wait, so, I, I, I've joked, you know, I've made a couple jokes of like, oh, this is the spiritual journey. I want my money back. Wait, <laughs> <Right, laughs> like, now I, what, I know my I made it, but I kind of know myself, but I still have to live in this shit-fuck society <laughs> that, where there's deep levels of suffering. Now what do I do? <laughs> now I have to, like, regulate my nervous system. I have to live life slowly. <laughs> I have to just try to, you know what I mean? Like, there's no...
0: But one thing I do believe is that, that the creator always guides sincerity, you know?
2: Mm.
0: Be sincerely looking for... As like I said, knocking show be open and all that. But, you know, that's the truth. Yeah. You're searching for something that will bring peace to you. Yeah. And maybe you want to help others too. Yeah. Who'll give it to you?
2: Yeah. And that's, you know, I struggled with that. Uh, I had started going to, I found uh, when I was living upstate, I randomly, this was part of my journey, I'd found a African Methodist church, Pain AME, in the middle of a small little town in Chatham, New York. I ended up there accidentally because there was a blues band paying. I wasn't going there for Jesus. I was going for the blues. <laughs> and I went there and I, I just was like, I just fell in love with, I just fell in love with the people there. It was like a bad news bears kind of church. There weren't that many members in a very white community. Wow. It had just like, it kept going, you know, and you go, wow, wait, how do a people endure? You know what I mean? Like, this still is going. And so I was just taken by that and wanted to be in that. like, how this is here. you know, and and that's what really drew me there. but I, I had a really hard time, you know, and it was the first time I actually had seen women preachers and black women in a pulpit.
0: All their power. That changed <laughs> that changed oh,
2: everything for me. I had when I saw a black woman in a pulpit my whole imagination of God changed. It, it, it opened some really, it opened something in me. And I was like, what? You know, because I'm Catholic. And I didn't even know, like, until moving to Harlem, like, oh, there's black Catholics. I had no idea. <laughs> I really didn't. And then, but when I was up there, that was just like, it was such a deep experience for me. But I remember they were like, there's no peace found in the world. There's only peace found in God, and I was so angry about that. No way, and I was resistant to it. That's not fair. No, you can. We can. You know. And I, I would not let that. And I wanted to fight that. What idea? I wanted to fight that idea. There was a part of me that was just like, no, that's impossible. Of course, there can be peace in the world. And you know. (laughs) And then I think I took myself on an inner journey that was like, okay, well, huh, you're going to be ruined by that belief <laughs> or you're going to find peace in God.
0: Find peace. All the people don't know where to start their journey sometimes. People try to establish peace in the world, but they don't have peace in their own houses.
2: Well, boom. And that's it. Boom.
0: You got to start there.
2: Yeah. And that's where, and I've, and I, and these past couple of years have been several you know, humble sandwiches of eating that because I can go in the street and be nice and be, you know, peacemaking Dina. But like, am I being nice to the man in my home, you know, or am I, you know, who am I taking it out on? Because yes. it, it's like, wait, if you can yeah, extend I mean, first, kindness to the, I can extend kindness to the stranger, but the person who's actually choosing to stay in my life, yeah. I'm treating them like shit.
0: Yeah, we have to be careful about that because unless there's peace in the home, you know, the the all other types of peace are bound to fail.
2: Yeah, and that's where I was like, you know, that's where you go, ah, that's like a Mother Teresa: peace begins at home. All these things, and you go, I don't want to believe that. And then you realize, oh God, peace begins in the home. And then you realize how small the work really is, and how hard it is for me to actually make this home, this little, you know, decent, have a size apartment, a thousand square feet or so, to make this feel like a sanctuary when someone walks in. You know, you know, what, know what I mean? That's song. hard.
0: Remember the old song, The House Is Not A Home? Say it again. Remember the old song, The House Is Not A Home? I the-
2: think you need to sing it to us.
0: Well, no, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe uh, it was, a House Is Not A Home. A uh, chair is not a chair, unless someone is sitting there. A mm. the house is not a home. But I there was, people look at, Living with someone is living in four walls. Mm. And if we do that, we have imprisoned ourselves. Yeah, You're living with that person's mind mm. and perception of the world. And you have your perception of the world, and you're trying to bring about a common perception of the world between you two. Wow. That would you envision each other? Yeah. So in the relationship, man has got to figure out, what can I give this woman for myself? Mm. Not what can I take from her.
2: Get mm. to her. Mm-hmm. Woman's
0: got to figure out what can I get to this man for myself to contribute. Yeah, to this being which is called peace. Yes, the building between the two. Yeah, and as long as you're showing me good intentions, it's possible to build peace within the home. Mm. And sh- as long as you're showing me commitment, and I'm showing you commitment. It's possible to build peace in the home. Yeah. Now, when these commitment is not there, and when the idea of contributing is there, then it- Peace is undermined in the home. Yeah. All right. So small little things that lead to big arguments. Yeah. You, you, you're building peace in the home. There are things that you can forgive. You can talk about them. You can forgive. But you can forgive if the person is trying to
2: mm-hmm.
0: to meet you. You can't get going to a well, them out of the well. One day you'll both go to the well and say there's no water in the well. Yeah. Having this relationship. Water has to be put into the well first before you can take out of it. Mm-hmm. This is where we we spectacularly failed. Yeah. And you you extend that to school system.
2: To society, I mean.
0: Society, and then that's where you start to build a peace.
2: It's interesting, though, because with our donkeys and our elephants, (laughs) you know, I I feel like, come on, donkey, come here, elephant, get around the table, let's just be nice to each other. You know, conservative side and their family values, there is something there.
0: Well, something beautiful there. There's
2: something really beautiful there that I wish they could not do the way they do or just like live it And su- I just want to be like, guys, go and live those family values that you're preaching in the sexiest way and make us all want to live that way, but don't force us to. You know what I mean? Like, go live it and make it so wildly desirous. You know what I mean? I, rather than forcing your values, which are also stolen for greedy purposes and other ways, but there there are some beautiful things about the home. Yes. And you can't you can't fake that anymore because if you know that is the one thing that we can control.
0: And the first one is this. Yeah. If you, if you be a man is mine. Yeah. Where does the mind live? In the home of the body. Hmm. So you want to keep your home clean? Mm. you want to keep it vibrant. Yeah, take care of your body. Yeah, and you want to take care of all the parts of yourself. It's drives, senses,
1: yeah,
0: all your emotions, your conscience, memory. It's all part of all cities that live within you. Um, and then you want to create harmony. You have to
2: be the mayor of your own. Yes, everyone run for mayor of the. Okay, so of your i'm I'm thinking right now I'm actually like imagining my body like Manhattan like the island of Manhattan and all of the different neighborhoods
0: <laughs> that's correct and <laughs> then, and then the song an expression that says make up your mind mm. well make up your mind means you, all these parts of you are agreeing to do something yeah your heart isn't your mind isn't body it so you've made up your mind that you wanted to be a great singer
2: mm-hmm I I wish I could make that my mind up to do that. (laughs) We're gonna work on that next time. Next time, and I'm hoping to make up my mind to do that. (laughs) But it's funny, you know. I remember I had that experience. I was actually reading a really weird. I was reading an article about how to like. I don't know why I was reading this article, but it was about like how to get your church all on the same page. Like when you're trying to, when you're the person who's leading a church, and you need to get all of your congregation. To do something different, and I was reading it, but then I I said, okay, right? It was written for like someone who really runs a church, but then I I was applying it to myself and the church of my own body. Wow! And imagining all the different congregants of my body, and how do I get them? You know, it was like I all these different aspects of myself who all wanted to do different things and not be united within the the, the church of my own body, which was k- keeping me in a state of not peace right? There's a unification of our own minds that has to happen before unification externally with others. And I was like, oh my God, what kind of rousing preaching speech must I give these different parts of myself to say, guys, we're going in this direction and all of you are coming. And it really it took a long time. It took a long time to get all these different congregants who in, within myself who wanted to do a bunch of different things and we're like and we weren't moving forward. You know, we were the you know, like if I were looking at myself in that metaphor, the roof was falling apart, we couldn't raise the money to <laughs> to keep forward. And it's like I think that's happening in each individual. That's happening in each community. That's
0: good. So you have to basically have one thing that you do at a time. Mm. If you want to run the New York City Marathon, yeah, twenty six point five miles. The only way you can do it is if your mind is on that every day. Yeah, your heart is in that every day, mm-hmm. and every day you you you're making your body conform to your mind and your heart. Mm. And you're doing you're eating and exercising in ways that you can reach that goal. There's a date. Mm. September so and so, you running the marathon. So it, it it is with anything else. You set a goal, and everything you have within you, you pull it together to meet that goal. Yeah. And then after you accomplish that goal. You set the next goal. Yeah. And then after a while, after you finish accomplish two or three goals, it'll be easy to unite them because each are mature mm. the same level. Yeah. You can't make a peach, co- peach, <laughs> apple and cherry pie unless the cherries and the peaches and apples are all ripe at the same time. Right. So, right. But they're only, they're only ripen one at a time. Right. <laughs> so is, a, is it, you're able to accomplish many things that way in life, in life. Mm-hmm. When I read about Leonardo da Vinci, I was in high school. He was an engineer. He was an artist. Yeah. He was, you know, he was, a, he was an architect. He was a poet. He, I mean, he, he wrote many, many books. I said, I want to be like that guy.
2: (laughs) I want to be like that guy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I said, how do you do it? You can't do everything all at once. Yeah. But you can do it in stages.
2: And you have to prioritize. And what I didn't realize in that process, you know, there's little griefs, right? Because you come to the realization that time is finite, your dreams are infinite, (laughs) and some have to go on the front burner and some have to go on the back burner, and you pray that you can kind of order them in the way that you know order them in a way that brings you peace and joy and also that these individual dreams that we're pursuing Mm. are somehow like divinely ordered Mm. in the world right that they they do something
0: oh yeah yeah, you know that they they do
2: something it sparks something else you know your album you know you decide to make an album and you 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 sing it and it it hits that right person at the right moment who does something else. And we don't know how all of this goes, you know?
0: You know, in a sense, the whole existence is ordering the priorities and obeying the logic of the priorities. Mm. How many days can a person go eating? Well, it's very record. We've gone a couple of months without eating. Well, how many days can a person go without drinking? How many minutes can a person go without breathing? You see your life? God ordered the priorities in his life. Yeah. Problem. So what I'm basically saying is that if you have different things you want to do, you have to decide which one is said probably which one is the most important. Yeah. Which is second most important, the third most important. But then you have to factor in something that's part an important part of that's your heart. Mm. Which one do I love?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have to factor that in. Which one do I really love the most? And not in the you know, because we're also in the world of like now. Every every hobby that you have has to be a hustle. You got to, you know, and you're like, well, where 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 do I really just? What does my heart want to
1: do?
0: Yes, now there's gonna be a heart, an argument between the wife and the husband. The husband being the brain and the heart being the, uh, the argument between the heart and, and the brain. The yeah. brain being the husband and the heart being the wife is gonna argue. But well, this one doesn't make sense because if I decide to be an artist, I can't pay my rent. <laughs> the hustle is what you mean Do, it. Do what you love. Now you got. to make up your mind. Right. And that's the challenge.
2: Yeah. You got to make up your mind. I mean, I made up my mind, and I now I have this podcast. So, that was one making up of my mind. You did it, and I did it. Yes. yes. We're doing it. This yes. is happening. And I'm here, <laughs> and you're here.
0: <laughs> I mean, the well, short sure one of these days.
2: You're here at an ancient, imaginal table where we're all getting free together. <laughs> I, I would love for you to read us your poem from your most recent book. Yeah, so what is the title of this this book?
0: It's called The Night Has Beautiful Eyes. Mm. And that's a top poem of the book, but I won't read the title poem. I read something that I was writing out of this, so I can quote it. It's called The Two Stars. There once was two brilliant stars who admired each other so. They talked on stellar phones and promoted each other's growth. There's something between us, said one star to the other. She makes us closer together and even better. Li- what could that be, my dear? Did he say, smiling at her face? Darling, she replied, it's plain to see between us. Space gives each of us room to shine and join our brilliant states of mind. And so they touch so tenderly each other's brilliant light. And those two admiring star. each other tender goodnight. <laughs> you gotta
2: get some snacks in there. <laughs> Oh, uh, do you think, right? I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, in a relationship between two people. Yeah. Person of the mm-hmm. And I can touch your shine, you can touch mine. And I think right. But one person's trying to dominate the other. Cast each of right. Yeah. Right.
2: It doesn't work, I know. <laughs> but, I mean, and space is the thing that we struggle the most with trusting. You know, because I, you know, a lot of people in the healing kind of world that, you know, I'm holding space. Right? And so, and yeah, and I've, I've had to go through this myself. And I, I was like, am I holding the space or am I trying to control the space? And there's a difference, right? You know, there's a difference with, right, like what's happening now? Am I going to control this? pod? Am I going to, and now I have to ask him this question, this question, or can I? Can we relax into that in here? This in this little space of mystery, right? That we're not holding any of it; that it's holding us, and that it, something else can emerge from this. Sp-
0: it's be beautiful from the space,
2: right? But we want to be the doers of it instead of just being like, you know. So I feel like space is like, yo, can you just trust me? <laughs> Yes. I actually know what I'm doing. <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, that's a be that trust in space is important. It's, it's, it's respect mm. for the divine mission that God put in each other.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, you might be a peach tree and I may be an apple.
2: Tree, but right.
0: But each has to share with the rest of them.
2: Beautiful. Satchmo, I think we're gonna bring this to a a little bit of a close. What are you What are you feeling?
0: Yeah, I think it's cool. I think I, I, I think we touched a couple of things, and then we'll be continuing.
2: This to is definitely a conversation. Satchmo is gonna be a regular, guy. You it's, it's taken me a while to get him here, but now that he's here, he's gonna be coming here often. Uh, we're hoping for our supporting subscribers to be offering a a little show with some some poetry, some song. And I'll be letting you know when that is happening. And so, thank you guys so much for pulling up a seat to Labufana's table and and joining me and Satchmo in this wonderful and spacious conversation where we feasted on some perspectives. And we look forward to having you guys add yours. Thank you. Now, Satchmo, tell them how do people find you. Where are your books living? How do they, they access you? <laughs>
0: uh, well, my books are in Barnes and & Noble and Amazon. So you go to Google and you go to John Sachmo Manan Books. All my books will come up. Also, my musical, my CD, 10 O'Clock Jazz, will also be available. You just type in my name. You'll see a lot about me.
2: Can you sing us out one little? Good night, sweetheart. Well, <laughs> can you sing us out one song?
0: Hide your heart from sight. Lock your dreams at night.
2: It could happen to you.
0: Don't count stars or you may stumble. Someone breathe a sigh and down on you tumble. Keep an eye on spring. Run when church mills. It could happen. All I did was wonder how you're on your feet. And it happened to me. Good night,
2: everybody. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to Lava Fana's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks, such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my Substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao.